Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Freeman, Matt F. The Oracle of the Action Network and Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Denver Broncos. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I'm interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I'm joined by Troy Rank a Broncos insider and sportscaster at KMGH-TV Denver 7 ABC. In this episode, he talks with us about whether the Broncos plan to take a quarterback with the fifth pick, the team's needs at wide receiver and tight end, and what we should expect from the defense in 2018. Before we get to the guests, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show Troy Rank of Denver 7 ABC, where he is a Broncos insider and sportscaster. You can follow him on Twitter at Troy Rank, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on everything to do with all the Colorado sports teams. Troy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Let's jump into it. It has been a big offseason with the team. One of the biggest things that they have done is add a quarterback. Uh, of course, it seems as if they might not be done. Do you think that they will add another quarterback in the draft in addition to Case Keenum? Uh, as we sit here, uh, you know, a few weeks away from the draft, I do not. But John Elway is unpredictable. If he falls in love with one of these top four quarterbacks and feels like it sets him up for a longer-term plan beyond Case Keenum. You know, would it shock me? No, but their entire posture this offseason is to rebound and get back to the playoffs. After a dreadful 5-11 and year, they lost eight straight at one point, 2-10 over their last 12 games, haven't won an AFC 
their game since Peyton Manning retired. So they've been talking about being competitive again and getting back to the playoffs. I'm not sure how drafting a quarterback makes you better this season because that player would not play much, if at all. Uh, and that's hard for a roster that has multiple holes that needs uh, that need to be dra- addressed in this upcoming draft. So I would be a little surprised but not shocked. Um, again, it depends how it falls because if there's a certain guy, if Saquon Barkley goes two to the Giants, for instance, and one of the quarterbacks is on the board at five and they love him, then yeah. But it just, for me, given their posture this offseason, it doesn't feel like they're going to take a quarterback with their first uh, first pick. Out of those top four quarterbacks, is there one that you sense the team might like more than the others? Or if that guy does fall to number five, he's the one they would really consider? Right. They've been very careful not to tip their hand. Been at every pro day. They've, you know, they've taken the smoke screen out to the absolute limit with, you know, they coach Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen at the Senior Bowl. They've hosted Josh Rosen at Dove Valley. They traveled up to Wyoming to see Josh Allen and they hosted him. They will have Sam Darnold. Uh, they will have Baker Mayfield in town soon. So uh, they like all of them to so which ones they like best. Again, if I had to guess, it would be Mayfield and Allen. It's hard to get a, you know, a Darnold is not going to be available. So I don't even really consider him, but between Bay, uh, Mayfield, Allen and Rosen, you know, they, they definitely know more about Allen and Mayfield and Mayfield fits in the line of Keenum, and you could see how the offense could be designed to work for both of them. Uh, but uh, to say I know which one they prefer, I don't. I just um, – it's hard to say right now uh, because Allen would need a year. He's not playing right away for me. Mayfield, the problem, if you bring him in, it creates a circus because Keenum's on a two-year contract, and you would have uh, every pass that Mayfield completes in training camp uh, uh, quarterback controversy brewing, which they've dealt with the last two years, and it's really undermined them offensively and in the locker room. Can you talk a little bit about the running game? There's some question as to whether C.J. Anderson will be there, and if they don't stick with him, are there any runners in this upcoming uh, draft class that you could see working well with what they want to do in Denver? Well, I mean, there's some options there that would help when you look at if Saquon Barkley's there at five, I think they'd have a hard time passing on him there. You know, it's not their most pressing need, but they need a, They need more playmakers. C.J. Anderson had a strong year, rushed for a thousand yards for the first time in his career in a lost season. And the only thing they did even moderately well last year in football, and he was a big part of that. And he came back off a of knee surgery, so give him all the credit. Looking for a little more dynamic uh, playmakers on offense. So Saquon Barkley's there at five. If it falls a certain way. I mean, yeah, I could see him taking Barkley at five, no no doubt, because their offense was pathetic last year. They averaged 18 points a game. Uh, but if it's not Barkley, I mean, Michelle is a guy to keep an eye on. Georgia, who's a dynamic player. Uh, Rashad Penny from San Diego State, a guy who's uh, versatility in the passing game as well as being a productive rusher. I mean, they're gonna, there's going to be options. I would say this, though. You, when they're looking at backs, you know, Royce Freeman's in that group from Oregon, uh, but you've got to find a guy that you think can be a receiver and use on third down. You can't just have a young back who hasn't been involved in the passing game because it just doesn't work in the modern NFL for me. You've got to have a guy that can run routes, catch the ball. So, you know, Barkley's the all-around back. I mean, he's one of the best players in college football the last couple of years, if not the best from a talent perspective. So, 
obviously if it falls and all the quarterbacks come off the board early, it's certainly a possibility that the Broncos could take Barkley. Can you talk a little bit about the passing game? Both Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are starting to get up there in age. The team doesn't have an established tight end. What do you think we can expect to see out of the passing game this year? Well, they need better. Uh, they need, and it starts with protection. And they, just the high number of sacks again last year killed them. Um, they they've got a new line coach and a new assistant line coach, so they think they've addressed some of these issues, but. They can't have the sack totals, and they can't. They've got to have a quarterback take care of the ball. I mean, they had 22 interceptions last year, second to only the Browns. It killed their defense. It compromised their greatest strength, which was their defense, having the defense constantly playing with a short field. So, what do I see out of the passing game? I would think their passing game is going to play off the run. They want their identity to be a physical football team that runs that runs the football. If they can do that, then Case Keenum fits in well because he can make plays. He's more mobile than people think. And last year, he protected the football. But why did he protect the football? Well, he had a good running game. You know, he had a really good running game, and that's the idea. The idea of bringing Keenum in and having to throw 40 times a game, that's not a recipe for success. So, But they need a third target in the passing game. I mean, Damaris Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, I expect to be a little better. But remember, Thomas has declined his last four seasons. He's more of a possession receiver. Sanders is good when he's healthy. His ankle injury really sabotaged him this year. Had no slot receiver, and they're counting largely on Jake Budd at tight end in his first full, you know, season. And he did not play as a rookie because of his knee surgery to be a target in the red zone. But they need somebody to be a target in the red zone, whether that's a slot receiver that they draft or develop, whether that's a running back out of the backfield, which it should have been Jamal Charles last year, and for reasons that make no sense, it was not, or if it's Jake Butt as the tight end. But they've got to get a third weapon in the passing game because teams can take away Thomas and Sanders. They need a third guy, and that's you know, that's going to come from the draft, perhaps, uh, from a running back and or slot receiver. You mentioned there the defense and how they were compromised last year because of what happened on offense. There has been some turnover on that side of the ball. Can you talk about what we really could expect to see from the defense this year and some of the offseason changes they've made? Well, they're not the defense that won the Super Bowl for years and they've lost uh, significant players from uh, look at T.J. Ward, Akib Tlaib, uh, Malik Jackson, Sylvester Williams. I mean, you just go down the list. There's five, six starters. They're no longer with them. I mean, so it's not the same defense. It doesn't mean it can't be a good defense, though. Uh, they brought back Todd Davis. They're going with T- Davis and Brandon Marshall, inside backer. They signed Clinton McDonald with the inside pass rush. They believe Demarius Walker who had pretty much a lost season last year, lost weight. Tried to play outside linebacker. That was a mistake. Uh, they believe moving him back inside will help with the inside rush. They stopped the run better. Domita Petko was their best offseason addition last year. Uh, but they can be good if the offense is better. And I say that because if the offense cuts its turnovers in half, the defense can be solid. The problem last year was their greatest strength is still their corner, their coverage, and their pass pressure. On Miller. And when they had that eight-game losing streak, they led for roughly 10 minutes during that losing streak. So teams move to pass on them. And they need to get a lead, force teams to pass, force them into obvious passing situations. So you think then at that point you have Von Miller had a great year despite you know what the stats might say overall. He had a great year. And you get way back and maybe you draft a guy like Bradley Chubb, then you get something going again uh, defensively. But they're a good defense. They're no longer an elite defense because of the they gave up too many points last year and there's a lot of specifically change of possession points. 
All right, Troy, this has been a lot of fun. One last question here. The team has several picks uh, on day two. So they have a second rounder. They have two third rounders. In terms of positional need, what do you think that this team is looking to do with those picks? Well, they'd like to add a guard. You know, they like to, Will Hernandez from UTEP. They'd like to add a guard. Uh, I mean, they have a starting left guard, and they're moving Leary back over the left side. But ideally, they find a starting right guard in the draft to solidify their line, uh, which would be uh, advantageous for them as they're getting the pass protection last year. Uh, right guard is an issue. Inside linebacker, they need to add a player there for the future, if not for third downs this year. Uh, so keep an eye on that. And certainly, again, between tight end and slot receiver, they're going to, they need to add at least one more tight end. And slot receiver, you know, they find somebody. I would still think, though, in that second round, running back guard could be on the board where they could get real value. All right, Troy, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for taking time to talk with us, and we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season. You got it, my man. Take care. Have a great day. All right, you too. We just finished speaking with Troy Rank, a Broncos insider and sportscaster at Denver 7 ABC. We cover a lot. Here are some of my thoughts. The first question, really, and for the Broncos, the only question is whether they plan to take a quarterback with the fifth pick. Troy, at this point, he thinks that uh, they're actually planning not to take a quarterback because the team is looking to get back to its winning ways right away in 2018. And with that goal in mind, taking a quarterback, someone they explicitly would plan to have on the bench for at least a year while Case Keenum is the quarterback, would be an uh, inefficient use of team resources. Uh, and, and so if they are looking to win right away, that makes sense. And that actually might be the case uh, that the plan uh, for the team really is not to take a quarterback this year. Uh, you know, Troy is plugged in and he's covered the team for a long time. If that is his sense of the situation right now, I imagine that is probably accurate. Um, I think it would be a mistake, however, for the team to bypass the quarterback position this year. Case Keenum, he has just a two-year deal and he is already 30 years old. He's had one good season and granted, In his other seasons, he was playing in far from optimal circumstances. And I think it does speak well of him that his former coach, Gary Kubiak, is familiar with him and comfortable enough with him to recommend him to the Broncos. Um, But the only time in his career in which he has had success is when everything else around him has really gone perfectly. And I should say, he had success last year in circumstances that could be similar to those that he could have in 2018. So last year, he had two good receivers to throw to in an offense that was committed to running the ball and backed by a good defense. That's what the Broncos are shooting for this year, right? As Troy mentioned, right? They have, you know, theoretically two good receivers in Demarius and Manny Sanders. They have a serviceable running back in CJ Anderson. You know, they theoretically have some depth at the position, And in recent history, they've had a strong defense, and they still have one of the best defensive players in the league in Von Miller. It's possible that Keenum could benefit from his circumstances this year, just as he did last year. 
maybe, but probably not. His wide receivers this year are not as good as the wide receivers he had last year. As good as Demarius Thomas once was, and the same for Sanders, at this point, they are not as good as Thielen and Diggs. Not as good as Thielen and Diggs were last year. Not as good as Thielen and Diggs will likely be this year. His running backs this year will probably not be as good as the running backs he had last year. His offensive coordinator might not be as good. Actually, scratch that. Probably won't be as good. Almost certainly won't be as good as the one he had last year. And the defense, although it was once good, it probably will not be as good as the Vikings defense was last year. On top of that, it is possible, maybe probable, that in the AFC West, with the Chiefs, who have a good team, a strong head coach, the Chargers, who have a a veteran quarterback, a good defense, and I mean, who knows what to expect from the Raiders, but just a year ago, they were a pretty good team. They have a Super Bowl winning head coach coming back. Within that environment of the AFC West, it is probable that the Broncos could struggle in 2018, which would put even more pressure on Keenum, right? Instead of having the luxury of being a game-managing quarterback, he would at times have to be a game-winning quarterback, right? He would have to be the one who actually drives his team to victory. And there is little evidence in his career that he can that he can actually do that, that he can be more than a game manager on a reliable basis. So if the Broncos don't have a franchise quarterback and they don't have a great chance of really having a strong team in 2018, why wouldn't they draft a quarterback, right? It would be short-term thinking for them not to draft a quarterback just because they think that might help them in 2018. One, I mean, it's it's the definition of short-term thinking, but then two, I think they're actually still wrong, right? I, I think 2018 is kind of a lost cause no matter what. I mean, they're picking fifth in the draft. They lost some key players from their defense. This is not the Super Bowl winning team of just a few years ago. They're not a team on the way up. They're a team on the way down, hoping that they can claw their way back up. It's really hard for a team to do that if they don't focus on the long term and think about rebuilding. So if they bypass the quarterback position this year, specifically with the the number five pick, they really could be costing themselves in the long run. And think about this. How often does an NFL franchise, except for the Browns, but how often does an NFL franchise have a chance to draft in the top five? And then... Out of all those opportunities, how often does that franchise really get the chance with the fifth pick to get a legitimate franchise quarterback, right? Normally, a team has to have the first pick or the second pick to have a really good chance of getting a 10-year starter. This year, there are enough potential franchise quarterbacks for the Broncos to be lucky enough to get one at number five. And it's as if they don't entirely realize that they are that lucky. And and here's the the outrageous thing. They actually, through dumb luck 
and it's not just well it is a combination of dumbness and luck but through through the stupidity of other teams and through the luckiness of their draft position they might actually get the best guy of the group in Baker Mayfield and I'm just I'm going to sort of you know call it it's not as if I've been shy about what I think is going to happen I think the Browns are going to draft Josh Allen I think that has always been the case the moment John Dorsey was hired Josh Allen became the front runner for the number one pick a lot of people didn't realize it at the time you know but at Fantasy Labs I wrote a piece months ago about the types of quarterbacks that John Dorsey's organization or I should say organizations the Packers the Seahawks for a year, back to the Packers, the Chiefs, the types of quarterbacks that the teams he has been with have tended to scout and draft, right? John Dorsey was a part of the group that scouted Brett Favre so that they could, the Packers could trade for him. This was after he had a not fantastic college career in one of the worst rookie seasons in NFL history. And they gave up a lot for him. They traded a first-rounder for him. Right? The, the quarterbacks that the Packers drafted after Favre and bet- between Aaron Rodgers, a lot of those guys were project type of quarterbacks. Right? And then the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers, who had a lot of production in college, was a good college quarterback, but still very raw. And they were comfortable with putting him on the bench for a number of years and letting him develop. And then just last year, even though the team, the Chiefs had their quarterback in Alex Smith, they drafted with a high first round pick, a player with a lot of upside in Pat Mahomes, but uh, a guy that everyone basically said needed to be developed on the bench for a year. John Dorsey is the type of guy who likes to shoot for kind of quote unquote upside. Right, Josh Allen is exactly the type of quarterback that John Dorsey has scouted and drafted. Josh Allen is going number one, which means Sam Darnold will go number two to the Giants. And the Giants are getting lucky, right? Rosen falls to the Jets at number three. It's almost perfect, right? In most years, Darnold and Rosen would have a good shot of being the top quarterback off the board. I think those three will go in the first three picks. Saquon Barkley will go number four, and then Baker Mayfield will fall to the Broncos. And Mayfield really might be the best quarterback of the group. At Fantasy Labs, I have uh, player profiles on you know all of basically all of the the skill position players who are likely to be drafted. I have rankings there. Mayfield, I have him as my number two quarterback. But I really wouldn't quibble too much if someone had him number one. I mean, one, quarterback evaluating is hard to begin with. But, um, you know, because he is shorter and because he's older, I couldn't put him ahead of Darnold. But Mayfield easily could have the best career of the top four, the top five, right? Uh, Oklahoma's passing attack in 2017 was number one by a number of metrics. Mayfield is the only player in the history of ESPN's QBR metric to have two seasons above 90. He was a four-year starter in his three final seasons. No, I should say he improved throughout college each year. In his three final seasons, 
he was amazing, collectively 11.9 adjusted yards per attempt. As a junior and senior, that number was 12.3 and 12.9. Those numbers are outrageous. Very accurate. And accurate in a number of ways. Right, Accurate deep. Accurate short. There are knocks against him, right? He's smaller. People might not like the offensive system that he played in. They might think he has a bad attitude, that he's high maintenance. Right, there was the public intoxication incident where he fled from police, right? Like, you know, he he was a college student. But within that context, uh, he handled himself very well as a player. You know, his teammates love him. He won the Heisman. He really could be the best. And the Broncos have a chance to get him, right? At number five, he will very likely be on the board for the Broncos, right? I think it would be a mistake for them not to draft him. And the team has had ample opportunity to evaluate him, right? They were the coaching staff for his team at the Senior Bowl. They saw him up close, firsthand in practice every day. They got to see him interact with new teammates, you know, they got to see him on the practice field, guiding wide receivers, interacting with them, running the offense, implementing a new system, right? They really should know better than anyone what his NFL potential is. I think it would be a mistake for them not to draft him. Here's the, the scary thing. With with Elway, and like I'm saying this is like a guy talking into a microphone and Elway's quarterbacked a team to two championships and then, you know, been an executive of another Super Bowl winning team. So, like, what the hell do I know? That said, what does John Elway know about scouting players? Like, his his record is really bad. And it's not just players. It is skill position players. If there are any players, Elway should be equipped to make some sort of evaluative, predictive statement on it should be quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. These are the guys Elway has repeatedly missed on when he's actually invested something in them. Right? Under Elway, the Broncos have shown that they are not they are not adept at drafting. They might be good at evaluating NFL players and projecting them into their team, their system, but they have not had great success in scouting college players and projecting them to the NFL. And again, the problem is most glaringly obvious when it comes to skill position players, right? All you have to do is is look at the history of the players in whom, under Elway's guidance, the Broncos have invested significant draft capital. Brock Osweiler, and that was questionable anyway because the team had Peyton Manning and they should have been seeking to optimize his championship window by adding supplemental players and not a backup. That's like the rare instance. It's like the opposite of what they have now. They added a quarterback when they should have added like an offensive lineman or a linebacker or a wide receiver or someone to try to help their their championship winning quarterback. Now, they, they don't have a championship winning quarterback. They need to get one and they're acting like they're going to build a team around Case Keenum. Brock Osweiler, selected in the second round. Ronnie Hillman selected in the third round, right? 2012, that didn't work out. In 2013, Monty Ball in the second round. That's embarrassing. 
Monty Ball. He was barely with the team. Speaking of someone who was barely with the team, Cody Latimer, or Latimer, Cody Latimer, can't even spell his name right, 2014 second rounder, he's accomplished nothing in the league. The next guy, I don't even know how to pronounce his name because he's never really gotten any playing time. I think it's Jeff Huerman, Jeff Herman. It doesn't even matter because he's not important. That was their 2015 third rounder. I mean, it's been bad. Paxton Lynch in 2016, first rounder. It really doesn't get any worse than that. And not to hold an injury against Carlos Henderson, 2017's third rounder, who I think is an interesting player, but the team got nothing out of him last year. It's been bad, right? With all of the skill position players this team has drafted with top 100 picks over the last five years, they really should be set. You know, but that's not the case. They need help specifically with their skill position players. You know, Elway has shown, ironically, that he is not adept at evaluating those guys. It would not be a surprise if he passed on Mayfield because nothing in his history as an exec should lead us to believe that Elway can distinguish good players from bad players. Actually, I take that back. Maybe he can distinguish them, but he confuses them. Because he has yet to get a good offensive player early in the draft, even by accident. Right? The odds suggest that if he were picking blindly, one of those players would have turned out. That's not the case. Instead, Elway is looking at these guys. He is highlighting characteristics, screening for particular types of characteristics. And those characteristics are leading to players who do not have NFL success. There is something wrong with how the Broncos scout and develop players. Anyway, they, they need, because of that, they need a quarterback. Even though, just a few years ago, they drafted Brock Osweiler and then Paxton Lynch. They still need a quarterback. And Mayfield, he might be the top guy, right? Statistically, metrically, he might be the top guy. And because of Elway's inability as a talent evaluator, you know, as Troy mentioned this, the, the team is thin at receiver, right? At a minimum, despite drafting Cody Latimer in 2014, despite drafting Carlos Henderson last year, they need they need a number three wide receiver. And it's it's more than that. They need some wide receivers of the future because Demarius Thomas is old and so is Manny Sanders, right? I mean, there are a number of wide receivers that they could select in the middle rounds. You know, James Washington, Oklahoma State, supremely productive in three seasons, Michael Gallup, Colorado State, you know, that would be interesting. Highly productive, a good athlete. Traquan Smith, I keep on coming back to him. Guy from Central Florida, good size, good athleticism, good production. There's not much to dislike about him. There are players that they could get in the middle rounds who might be able to make a difference. They, they need to take a shot at one of them, right? And they also need a running back, amazingly even though they've drafted four of them, Hillman in 2012, Ball in 2013, Booker in 2016, Henderson in 2017, right? Even though they have all those guys and then CJ Anderson, even though they've invested in those guys, they need a running back. I mean, the question is, are they going to go the option of trying to find a, a supplemental pass catching running back, which is kind of ostensibly what they need Right. You, you look and you say, oh, they, you know, they need someone for third downs and, you know, the change of pace role. 
Okay, they kind of need that. But what they really need is an actual running back. You know, so they could go the route of, you know, on the high end, adding someone like Naheem Hines as the change of pace guy. He's really interesting. He could do well in the league, right? Or they could go the route of, in the middle tier, going with someone like Chase Edmonds. He's also really interesting, right? And then they could start to dip down a little bit. You know, Justin Jackson, Ito Smith, right? Do they go for the pass catcher? And do they sort of basically limit the upside of what they could get? Or do they go for a guy who actually has the potential to be a lead back in one of those middle rounds, right? I mean, I think obviously they need to take a shot at a guy with actual NFL lead back ability, maybe Sony Michelle, right? Someone pretty decent is going to be available in the third round, maybe the fourth round. Sony Michelle could be there, you know, maybe carry on Johnson, maybe Josh Adams. I mean, none of those guys is assured of actually becoming a legit NFL lead back, but all of them have the potential for it, right? But they need to, they need to upgrade, right? Maybe Royce Freeman would be there. Maybe Rashad Penny, although I don't wish that on Rashad Penny. But they need to add some skill position players. The team needs to build for the long term, right? Because it it probably will not be good enough in the short term. The big thing is that they are missing starters from that Super Bowl winning defense. And even bigger than that is the guy who is not mentioned, Wade Phillips. He is no longer there. That is the big difference in this defense. He is the difference, right? Last year, the offense put the defense in bad positions, but... The defense wasn't nearly as good as it had been. Last year, the Broncos were one of the worst teams in the league in terms of allowing opposing teams to outscore their implied totals, right? So if based on the spread and based on the over-under, a team was implied for 21 points, on average, the Broncos allowed them to score more than 24 points. That's really bad. Like over the course of a season, that number starts, like the market becomes efficient. That number starts to normalize. For the Broncos, that number was actually a lot worse for most of the season. And then the market started to adjust. The defense is bad. It will probably get better next year just because I don't think it could be as bad again with some of the players that they have. But last year, literally the Broncos were one of the worst defenses in the league based on the market, based on expectations, right? All over, they need to get better. And because of that, they really should not be thinking short-term, oh, hey, let's not take a quarterback this year. They need to take a quarterback because this team is not on the way up. And then on day two, as Troy mentioned, they have a number of needs, right? They need to add a starting guard at some point, inside linebacker, a running back, a receiver, maybe a slot receiver, but maybe, you know, if there's a guy with more upside there than just slot receiver, maybe you go for that guy. You can find slot <laughs> slot receivers. There's slot you can find slot receivers. You know, like you can find those guys late in the draft. You can find them undrafted. Don't draft a slot receiver. I mean that's maybe what Carlos Henderson is. You you have a slot receiver. So all that is important. But None of that really matters if they don't get the quarterback situation right. But of course, you know, because I'm an optimist, in case you couldn't tell, or what is it, like 20 minutes now into this little like diatribe of mine, 27 minutes, wow. In case you couldn't tell, I'm an optimist. Um, So there's always a silver lining 
if the Broncos don't take a quarterback this year, next year they might be in, in the same position and they have a chance to draft a franchise quarterback. And if that happens, it might be someone besides John Elway who gets to make the pick. And that's going to do it for this Broncos-focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out Rotoviz in the podcast feed for the episodes on all the other NFL teams. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colm Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold-cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just two ninety nine each. Sir, yes, sir! Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.